0: Thanks for checking out the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. I'm Rick Zamprin. How would you like to travel from Niagara to Toronto in 30 minutes? The Hamilton Conservation Authority is ready for the fall color season. There's a massive lineup into Westminster Hall to pay respects to the Queen. We'll tell you about this year's Ancaster Fair. And if you plan to go to a Leafs game this upcoming season, I hope you save some money. The GMH podcast starts now.
1: This is the Good Morning Hamilton podcast on 900 CHML.
0: One of the best things about the pandemic, if there was such a thing, was that gridlock on highways like the QEW, 403, 401, you name the 400 series highway, wasn't as bad in the early going of the pandemic. I mean, it's returned basically to normal now, but man, was it ever nice just to cruise down the Queen E, not having to worry about, you know, a bunch of trucks and other vehicles kind of slowing you down. Well, what if I were to tell you, even in this day and age, that you could travel from eh, the Niagara region to Toronto in half an hour, 30 minutes? Would you take it? I can hear you screaming and throwing your hands up in the air saying, Yes, I will definitely do that. Well, <clears throat> excuse me, launching in the summer of 2023, there is a new rapid transit hovercraft service. That is going to be taking passengers between Niagara and Toronto and vice versa in half an hour. Chris Morgan is the founder and CEO of Hoverlink Ontario Inc. and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Chris, good morning. How are you? I'm good. This has been tried before to a similar extent, but it has never really stuck. How is this time going to be different?
2: I think when you when we looked at, I think that's how we started this whole this whole process. I, I looked at the opportunity in 2011 really just on a, a casual conversation with family in the UK and we talked about technology and and you know where it needs to be and how it can work especially around cities that that have water water links for lack of a better description and so I just started researching it so I spent a good number of years looking through it and found out you know it really came down to population densities uh, structures roadways gridlock, uh, urban sprawl and then ultimately the craft technology and and what we really need to, to cross a body of water like Lake Ontario 12 months a year reliably and consistently. And then I went about working on, on that process. And, and uh, Michael Clemens, a good friend of mine, after about two years of research, I finally shared it with somebody and It was he I spoke with. And this is starting to make sense, Michael. Can we punch more holes in it? Let's see what we can do. I was nervous at first when I... Uh, said, this is making sense. What am I missing? What am I missing? And uh, just being respectful for all the predecessors. And uh, I think it came down to uh, just where we are in in you know, 2011 to to 2022, and uh, and the craft the craft uh, is very capable. We've we've re-engineered it significantly in a, a number of ways, and I think that's uh, that's the game changer piece that everyone keeps telling me about when we talk uh, talk about this walk.
0: So, give us a sense of how mm-hmm. this is going to work. Uh, I understand it's going to go from Port Weller to Ontario Place. Is this yes. hovercraft going to be able to? Uh, how's just people or are there vehicles coming out of this how how's this going yeah, to work this this this
2: this uh, design of the craft is strictly for passengers and some small parcel service you know the small couriers and uh, perhaps uh, you know post and mail we can we can offer that uh, as an additional service to move things back and forth, but it's strictly for passengers uh, we won't be taking cars uh, in this generation of craft or trucks uh, that's a that's a future opportunity that uh, we've been engaged with for about three years now again. I keep everything, you know, under the radar until we really feel comfortable coming up above and saying, "Here's here's what we have. Here's what we're we're going to do." So it's it's about moving people and getting them to A to B, and and I think that's that's the primary focus on on this process right now.
0: How many hovercraft are going to be in the fleet, and what are the departure times and arrivals? Is this an, an all day, okay. seven days a week, three sixty five?
2: Yes, it, it uh, it's three hundred sixty five days a year two craft in the initial launch. Each craft carries 180 people. She can run the, she can run the lake in, in half an hour. She was approved. I had her certified and, and approved the engineer plans and designs from Transport Canada Marine Division and their agency back in 2015 because we, re, we re-engineered a number of things that, that made most sense and, and made, uh, made the craft more robust. What's interesting is it's she, it's and I say a she because in marine terminology, vessels are usually female. And I and I said so. She's she's very uh, capable now. And and when we look at it, half an hour, she's sustainably green, economically sustainable on how she moves. It's forty eight trips a day. It's me sixty five. And uh, yeah, I think it's it's something that that we need to look at. And and it, again, it's there, there's a lot of travel movement in the Golden Horseshoe area. So whether you're a tourist, a commuter, uh, you know, family visiting. A students trying to make it to the other side of the lake for for education uh, i think it, it it's it's a new option i don't i don't really see us as a competitor i see us as a complement, and we'll work with the other uh uh transit and and transportation modes that are in the system we're not going to leave you high and dry when we drop off you end. we have uh, new electric uh shuttle buses that are part of the fee that will take you if you're going to south shore one will be dedicated to Niagara lake one headed to niagara falls clifton hill area and one uh, into St. Catharines and hit the links. And then in Toronto, we'll have them as well there that can you know, service Billy Bishop Airport or Union Station or even the Royal York. So we're going to work with all levels of government as we have for the last six, eight years and uh, work through the best plan for the public.
0: Chris, we have uh, 30 seconds to talk about maybe one of the more important mm-hmm. aspects of it is how much is this going to cost? What's a one-way uh, fare like? Uh, is there a uh, monthly subscription, a yearly fee? Tell us about that.
1: Our,
2: our marketing team has worked through that. And right now we looked at a return trip of uh, between fifty and sixty dollars, so twenty five to thirty dollars single trip. And uh, as we get closer to launch, we'll have uh, some more releases uh, working uh, uh, to the public that, that explain where we are and what we're doing and, and how we manage those those opportunities and uh, and programs.
0: And do you think that price and the fact that they don't have to deal with gridlock is going to entice a lot of people to jump on board?
2: I think, I think when you look at what people's time is worth now, and I think COVID even proved that, that you know, you're you getting some decentralization from work patterns and, and where you need to be at work. So I think definitely it comes down to time. If I can spend $30 for 30 minutes of my time rather than you know particularly people in the Niagara region, it's two to two and a half hours to get to Toronto on a good day. And that's without any environmental snowstorms, rain, thunder, all those, those things, and accidents. And so you're, you're adding two, four hours a day return trip. So you say, you know what? If I can take you four hours and, and, and move it down to an hour, you've got three hours of your life back per
0: day. That's a lot of time. Chris, we've got to leave it yeah. there. Thank you for your Thank time you, today. Good luck with yeah. us. Great. We'll be in touch. Chris, Talk to you soon. Chris Morgan is the founder and CEO of Hoverlink Ontario, launching in the summer of 2023.
1: You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. We
0: know what September
1: brings.
0: Cooler temperatures. We've certainly felt that over the last number of days, depending on where you are. It also brings some unbelievable fall colors. Welcome back to Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Rick Samprin with you. I was out for a walk with the dog the other day and noticed that one of the trees on my street are changing color. Leaves are doing their thing as they are apt to do at this time of the year. Some trees are different and they take longer and they stay green longer, but others are, they're, they're ready for fall. Like, all right, let's change. Let's drop and get ready for the cold, bitter months of winter ahead. Well, with that in mind, with the picturesque fall color season fast approaching the Hamilton conservation authority says people who want to visit places like Dundas peak Webster's falls Two's falls, they will require On advanced reservation system or advanced reservation uh, starting this Saturday. Bruce Harschnitz is the manager of conservation area services at the Hamilton Conservation Authority and joins us on Good Morning Hamilton. Bruce, good morning. Good morning, Rick. So, why is this reservation system being put in place?
3: Well, over the last few years, as you've mentioned, with the colors going as uh, vibrant as they do in the fall, the Spencer Gorge has attracted thousands of people and it's overwhelmed the conservation area and the community of Greensville where it's located. So to try and uh, reduce the congestion in the area and increase safety and also increase the visitor experience for those coming to see the fall colours, we've instituted a reservation system to limit the number of people in the area to any at any one time.
0: We've had um, for, for years and years and years, people go out and visit these sites because of the fall colors. But really, when the pandemic came and people weren't allowed to go to stores to kill some time, they thought, hey, let's, let's check out nature. This, this whole phenomenon of seeing the outdoors and seeing the fall colors really exploded, uh, I would say, over the last couple of years. Is I'm, am I on
3: the mark or off the
0: mark there? Um, a little
3: on and a little bit off actually because the increase in visitation started with as the social media increased and with people being able to post selfies of themselves in the in the outdoors with the fall colors with the gorgeous views from Dundas Peak and the waterfalls uh, we actually saw a, a spike in uh, attendance just before covid for a couple of years there and then Yes, once COVID hit and all the restrictions came into place, people couldn't travel. So they discovered everything that was nearby and natural and and realized that they didn't have to travel very far to get out into the outdoors and see some beautiful sights.
0: How does someone make a reservation and how much does it cost?
3: Um, reservations can be made through the Hamilton Conservation Authority website. And uh, there are links there for the Spencer Gorge information and uh, the cost is uh, $10.50 per vehicle plus $5 per passenger over five years of age and there's a $10 reservation fee. Now we also have a lot of members who have purchased the HCA membership pass. Uh, For those people the admission fees are waived because that uh, pass gets them in So they simply have to pay the $10 reservation fee.
0: Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900CHML is Bruce Harshnitz. He's the manager of Conservation Area Services at the Hamilton Conservation Authority. We're talking about advanced reservations starting this Saturday for places like Dundas Peak, Webster's Falls, Chew's Falls. Um, How long of a time do you have once you make a reservation? Are Are you there for an hour, a couple of hours? What is the time frame?
3: You're there, you've got a two hour block of time that you can choose throughout the day starting from 9 a.m. And uh, the reservations there's one area which is the Two's Falls Dundas Peak experience, and the other is the Webster Fall experience. So there are two separate areas because they're not connected, um, but uh, two hours gives you plenty of time to take a walk out, even out to Dundas Peak and look around and see the great views over Dundas and into Hamilton Harbor to the Skyway Bridge and beyond, or at Webster's Falls, you can spend time in the gorge uh, in the area. There are no views from down below, unfortunately, so everything is from looking from the top, looking at the waterfalls uh, from above.
0: How busy do you expect this fall color viewing season to be?
3: Well, we're based on previous years. The weekends have been sold out. Uh, reservations can be made a week in advance. And uh, the weeka- weekends have definitely been sold out. And uh, weekdays are starting to fill up as well more quickly now that uh, it is somewhat limited. People are adjusting their schedule and, and able to do that with, as a result of COVID, with more people working from home. Their schedule is a little bit more flexible. So they can visit on the weekdays as well when it's a bit quieter.
0: We've had a little bit of rain over the last couple of weeks. Has that uh, changed any of the hiking conditions that people should uh, expect to encounter this weekend and beyond? Um, not,
3: Not so much. The trails are recreational trails consisting of packed dirt in most areas. Um, depending on the weather, there could be some muddy sections on the day of, but they generally dry up fairly quickly. Um, Visitors should have good walking or hiking shoes, since it is a natural area and rugged terrain, and there are tree roots and some gravelly sections and other walking hazards like uneven terrain, since it is a, a rocky area. Yeah,
0: we certainly want people to be safe, so plan ahead is a big key. If you are making a reservation at hcareservations.ca to see places like Dundas Peak and Webster's Falls, there is also a uh, a bylaw uh, component of this because we have a reservation system. It has to be policed in some way. What is the role of bylaw in this regard?
3: Um, bylaw is basically there for the community to enforce the parking restrictions that are on the roads surrounding the area so the city of hamilton has instituted uh, no parking bylaws and no stopping and there is an increased uh, fee- fine in the special enforcement areas around the waterfalls simply to and make sure that people don't park and congest the roads And with bylaw there, they make sure that uh, EMS can still reach the residents of the area should there be a need for emergency services to get to the local houses.
0: Just before we let you go, Bruce, when is the last point in time someone can make a reservation?
3: Uh, They can make a reservation up until the day before they want to go. So sometimes uh, with, with quieter days during the week, they could wait and see what the weather's like. But uh, on the weekends, it is best to uh, plan ahead. and as far as you can, like I said, we can accept reservations up to a week in advance. and the area is open rain or shine. Uh, we don't uh, shut down if it is raining because Mother Nature's still out there. and you can actually get some very nice colors when it's overcast.: um,
0: So if I wanted to make a reservation in November, I could
3: do so as well. No, you can only do reservations a week in advance. And right now, uh, our reservation system will just be going through the fall colors. And then after that, it'll be uh, first come, first serve. So probably by November, the reservation system will be ending.
0: All right. Good stuff, Bruce. Really appreciate your time today. Thanks for joining us.
3: Well, thank you for having us on. That is Bruce Harshnitz. He's
0: the manager of Conservation Area Services, Hamilton Conservation Authority. If you want to make your reservation to visit Webster's Falls, Two's Falls, Dundas Peak as the fall color season arrives, you can do so online, hcareservations.ca. All the pricing, all the rules and regs are on that website.
1: You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. We are a few
0: days away from... Queen Elizabeth II's funeral, which will happen Monday, 6 a.m. Eastern time. We'll broadcast it for you live here on 900 CHML. The lineup of people to see Queen Elizabeth II's coffin at Westminster Hall is said to stretch for more than 16 kilometers. Might be even longer than that now. And by the time Monday rolls around, or at least Sunday, experts Security officials are anticipating as many as 400,000 people will have been in line to pay their respects to the Queen. That is almost the size of the city, Hamilton. Imagine virtually everyone in Hamilton being in line to see the Queen's coffin. Iris Goldstein is a freelance journalist and editor, morning editor, at Marie Claire US, covering celebrities and royals, and joins us live from London, England. Iris, good morning. How are you today? I'm well, thanks. How are you? I'm not too bad. What is the mood like in Britain this week?
4: I have to say I haven't noticed that big a change. Um, People are sort of going about their daily lives, but obviously everywhere you go, there's signs, you know, for honoring the Queen. And, and as you said, there's that gigantic queue in Westminster. So obviously it's affecting people, um, but for the moment, I think that, you know, it, it, it was sort of as expected. So there's a bit of a keep calm and carry on.
0: The uh, the lineup, as you mentioned, stretches for kilometers. H- have you been in it? Do you plan to join it at some point?
4: Um, I don't because I don't think I have the stamina. People are camping <laughs> out for, for nights. They, you know, they've brought their thermoses of soup and uh, and you can't leave the line. So it, I mean it's dedication and I I admire it but I'm not planning to join at the moment.
0: Yeah, security officials are saying once you're in the line you're expected to probably be waiting about 30 hours. So yeah, you know, a testament to all the people who are in that line to pay their respects. What do you think the Queen's legacy is going to be?
4: I think it's very different for a lot of people. I think everyone has a strong emotional response to the Queen and her legacy um, as she leaves us. Obviously, she was beloved by so many people as we're seeing. Um, but there's also some difficult feelings there with some people who don't know quite if if the monarchy is something that they want for their country. Um, so I think it's complicated and I think we're going to sort of have to see what happens but I think one of the biggest things that's going to be disrupted now is that she was the monarch for 70 years which means that most of her subjects only knew one monarch their entire lives and she was reigning while there were so many changes happening in the world so many really disruptive things um you know the pandemic being sort of one of the last examples and she brought that sense of reassurance to people and i think now people are going to have to scramble to look elsewhere to to feel that reassurance which isn't that easy to do
0: our guest on good morning hamilton on 900 chml live from london england iris goldstein is a freelance journalist and editor morning editor at marie claire us covering celebrities and royals as we reflect on the life and legacy of queen elizabeth What's it like getting around London? Because as we know, security is extremely tight around Buckingham Palace, Westminster Hall, Westminster Abbey. What's it like getting
4: to and fro? Yeah, um, I think if you avoid that general area, it's pretty normal. Um, however, uh, I know the other day that the, the tube stop where where Buckingham Palace is, which is Green Park, was closed because of congestion. I'm not entirely sure if it's still closed, but there is an, an amount of disruption But I it's not. It's not too difficult at the moment. I think it will be more difficult on the on the day of the funeral, of course.
0: There has some, been some debate over the last week, um, mostly, I would imagine, in many of the Commonwealth nations, like here in Canada, about whether you know the monarchy should still be a thing. We know Jamaica has made their statements. Barbados, uh, you know, leaving the Commonwealth. What's the conversation like in Britain?
4: I, there's a huge divide. Um, you're seeing people and, you know, there's a divide in age Uh, a lot of the time, older people are extremely attached to the monarchy, extremely, you know, emotional over the death of the Queen and younger people tend to be less so. But it's not necessarily that there's just a lot of, a lot of conversation, you know, there's people who think, well, it's quite a nice thing, even if, you know, we don't quite understand it, we're not quite sure if it makes sense in our modern era. Uh, it's quite nice, there's all the, the royal palaces to to visit and all the souvenirs and all the tourism it brings in um, and just that sort of sense of fantasy when you look at, you know, uh, Prince William and Princess Kate especially uh, who who are that sort of symbol of aspiration. And on the other hand, of course, you know, on the, the sort of left-leaning side of the equation, there's a lot of republicanism and I think that's only going to get stronger uh, without the queen as the the helm at the helm of of that whole system um so very divided and lots of debates to still be had
0: iris uh, thank you very much for taking some time out of your busy schedule to join us enjoy the rest of your day
4: thank you very much you too
0: That is Iris Goldstein, a freelance journalist and editor, morning editor, Marie Claire U.S., covering celebrities and royals as we get set for Monday's funeral for Queen Elizabeth II, which you can hear right here on 900 CHML.
1: You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML.
5: The world never stopped changing, but Queen Elizabeth always remained. Through global upheaval, domestic troubles, and heartbreaking personal tragedy, Queen Elizabeth II continued to be the constant
6: presence that gave people comfort.
5: That is the voice of Ontario Premier Doug
0: Ford who says he is one of many Canadians who will miss Queen Elizabeth II dearly. Welcome back to Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML Rick Samprin with you. Thanks for waking up with us on another beautiful morning in the city. Uh the Queen now lying in state at Westminster Hall in advance of her funeral at nearby Westminster Abbey on Monday. And you'll be able to hear that funeral live right here on 900 CHML beginning at 6 a.m. Eastern time. Some are expecting the funeral is going to be the largest that the United Kingdom has ever seen and i do not doubt that at all joining us now live from london england is ben o'hara Byrne, the host of a little more conversation which you can hear weeknights at 10 p.m on 900 chml ben good morning where do you find where do we find you this morning hi rick i'm right in front of westminster hall actually watching as people emerge
7: from having paid their respects uh, to the queen it's been a steady stream of people since it started uh, last night around 5 p.m local time here so noon. In Toronto and Hamilton, and um, it's been yeah, it's just been a constant stream of people, and just the range of emotions we're seeing too is you know some people emerge in tears, other others emerge with a very solemn look on their faces. I actually waited in the line today just to see what it was like to talk to people, find out why they were there, what brought them there, and then to get the reactions when they emerged. And it was funny. We talked a lot about uh, obviously paying respect to the Queen, but a lot of it was about history too. They spoke about how they had heard from their parents and grandparents. About uh, the Queen's coronation, about seeing Winston Churchill lie in state in the '60s, about the King's death, the Queen's father's death back in the '50s, and how there was something important about being here—not only for themselves, but also for their families—and and to to you know carry that with them as they went in to say goodbye to to a Queen that meant so much to many generations of people in, in this in Britain as well. Um, and when I bumped into them on the way out, you know, one of them was in tears. They said it was far more poignant and profound than even they had expected. So, um, you know, there will be a steady stream right through till Monday morning. We'll be doing this. uh, And right now, that lineup is longer than it was when I got there this morning, probably a little more than three and a half, four kilometers long. But everyone I spoke to said, even if it was four or five, six, seven hours of their time, uh, that it was worth it to be part of history.
0: Yeah, we've, uh, we've heard that, you know, this line stretches um, 16 kilometers plus uh, by Sunday. It could accumulate in, in total uh, from when it started to when it ends on Sunday to about 400,000 people. Are you kind of hearing those same figures being bandied about?
7: Yeah, I mean, the, the figures of the number of people that they've been able to get through. One time we we're talking about three quarters of a million. It seems to be, I mean, I waited in the line just to see what it was like. and It was very efficient. It moved very quickly. Um, you know, it's it clearly there are a lot of people, so it takes time. And there's airport style security right before you enter uh, Westminster Hall, so it, it does slow down. Um, but they're moving people. I think even faster than it was expected. So I wouldn't be surprised if, if it was up in those many hundreds of thousands. And uh, the number being numbers being bandied about keep changing, but uh, they're going to try and allow as many people as possible uh, to pay their respects because this will be. I think there's that sense of finality too when people emerge from Westminster Hall today. Clearly, that will be uh, far more prevalent when the funeral takes place. But I think for a lot of people, this was their opportunity to say goodbye in person, and they realize that this will be the goodbye. So I think they're going to try and allow as many people as possible to go through. It seems to be working quite well so far.
0: That's great to hear. Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML is Ben O'Hara-Byrne, host of A Little More Conversation, which you can hear weeknights starting at 10 p.m. on 900 CHML. Ben is in London, England, to cover this week's uh, uh, procession, um, the Queen lying in state, and will be on Monday at Westminster Abbey covering the funeral as well. I understand you met some Canadians who flew to England just for the funeral. That's right. Um, I, I bumped into a couple yesterday. Um,
7: from Toronto. They had flown in on Friday, um, Tracy and Mark, and they had actually um, hopped on a plane the next day. I mean, the death was announced on Thursday. They were here on Friday just to see this. Um, you know, they waited in this line last night uh, for many hours. Uh, they had been at the procession the day before. And I asked them the same questions, you know, what would bring you here for this? And it was just to be part of history, to, to say thank you, first and foremost, but also to be here. Uh, to be part of it. Um, it felt like it was the least they could do. Tracy was interested. I asked, well, how long will you, how long will you be willing to wait in this line? Because it was very long last night. She said, well, the Queen gave us 70 years, so I can wait, I can wait as long as it
0: takes. <laughs> a lot of focus, obviously and rightfully so, is on the queen, her life, her legacy. Charles III, the new king. What about the rest of the royal family? How much uh, attention are they getting? It's Prince Harry's 38th birthday today. We have, you know, uh, a yeah. number of great grandchildren. How are they dealing with it? And what's the focus on them like?
6: Yeah,
7: I mean, and for the time being, and they've taken part, obviously, the other siblings, the Queen's other children, Princess Anne, Prince Andrew, Prince Edward, all took part of that procession yesterday, as did, uh, Princes William and Harry. Uh, there's obviously been talk about the rift between, uh, the princes, uh, and whether that there'll be a reconciliation given what's happened here. Um, that's been talked about quite a bit. Uh, but the focus really has been on the Queen. I mean, clearly there are always issues uh, with family, with families in general, but the royal family in particular uh, that people pay close attention to, whether it's Andrew or uh, what his involvement will be under King Charles, whether it's the future of Harry and Meghan and what that will look like. But for the time being, I think there is this, this there's a, a deep understanding that this is also uh, a family that's lost, you know, a mother, a grandmother, a great-grandmother. So there has been attention taken off a little bit. Um, you know, anytime they're doing walkabouts, I know that the... Uh, that the uh, uh, Prince William and uh, Kate so are now the, uh, the the Prince of Wales and the Princess of Wales will be in Sandringham today where one of the Queen's estates is to see the bouquets and say hi to the public and do a walkabout and so on. Uh, king, the king has a day off today, it's a day of reflection for him. Uh, the Earl and, and uh, the uh, countess of Wessex will be in, um, uh, Edward and Sophie will be in uh, Manchester today. So I guess that the family itself are sort of fanning out to make sure that the rest of the country feels like they're included in this while so much attention is being focused directly on London right now.
0: Ben, I know you have a lot more uh, interviews to do. We really appreciate your time once again today, and we'll chat with you at the same time tomorrow. Thanks so much, Rick. Look forward to it. That's Ben O'Hara-Byrne. He is the host of A Little More Conversation. If you haven't checked it out, you can hear it weeknights at 10 p.m. right here on 900 CHML. And he is in London, England all week long. You'll also be able to hear him on the Roy Green Show this coming weekend as well, as he'll give us some information on how... London, England, how the Commonwealth and the monarchy is preparing for the Queen's funeral on Monday. And you can hear the funeral live right here on CHML starting at 6 a.m. on Mondays. We'll have complete coverage from Westminster Abbey.
1: You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Good Morning Hamilton
0: summer Cruise and series continuing today. And we are focusing on
1: the Ancaster
0: Fair as it returns to its familiar format at the fairgrounds. Uh, coming up in, uh, not this weekend, but next weekend. Paul Gibbons is the first vice president with the Ancaster Agricultural Society and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Paul, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm fine. Yourself? I'm pretty good. Uh, I understand the Ancaster Fair is going to be back to normal this year.
5: Yes, we're very excited. After almost a three-year hiatus, we're back full steam, and we've got a lot to offer for everyone.
0: Does it seem like putting on an old pair of jeans that just fit comfortably in terms of planning for this Sears
6: Fair?
5: Well, certainly, Ancaster is a very mature fair, and we've got a lot of great people that know what they're doing. So, yeah, it came together pretty nicely.
0: Is is this going to be the same as in past years? Is it going to be bigger than, than what we've
5: seen in past years? Well, certainly, many things are going to be the same, but it is going to be bigger. We have our new... Um, event center, which is the premier event center for equine, uh, cattle, sheep, whatever you want to show in it. There's nothing quite like it in Southern Ontario.
0: Ancaster Fair returns to its familiar format at the Ancaster Fairgrounds September 22nd to the 25th as part of our Good Morning Hamilton summer cruising series today. Paul Gibbons is the first vice president of the Ancaster Agricultural Society and joins us on the show. We've had over the last... uh, couple of years certainly as the pandemic began a lot of newcomers to Hamilton people especially from the GTA you know cashing in on their million dollar homes and coming up here and living in Hamilton if if they have you know a thought of hey we should check out the fair what can they expect to see?
5: Well we have all of our usual shows Um, the highlights are we have our demolition derby Thursday night Friday night and Saturday night Um, for the we also have a great midway FOR THE CHILDREN. WE HAVE um, THE um, SCHOOL FAIR BUILDING THAT'S GOT ALL THE EVENTS FOR YOUNG FOLK. AND um, WE ALSO HAVE IN OUR EVENT CENTER, WE HAVE THE ONTARIO FOUR HORSE HITCH CLASSIC SERIES AND THE NORTH AMERICAN SIX HORSE HITCH CLASSIC SERIES ON SUNDAY AFTERNOON. AND uh, THAT'S A HUGE DRAW.
0: What would you say the fair represents? If you had to boil it down to a motto, a feeling, a description, what what would you give it?
5: Well, certainly we're an agricultural fair, and uh, I'd say we're giving back to the community, keeping our roots in agriculture, um, recognizing the fact we're very close to the city. Uh, This is a great opportunity for people to come and see how things are done in the agricultural world.
0: Paul Gibbons is our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Paul is the first vice president of the agricultural of the Ancaster Agricultural Society. And they're putting on the Ancaster Fair this coming September 22nd to the 25th. Do do you, Paul, have a highlight uh, that brings you back to the fair each and every year?
5: Well, certainly the horse show is very interesting for me. Um, I own and raise horses, so it's near and dear to my heart. Um but there's a lot of exciting things. The the Demolition Derby is great. It's exciting and everyone seems to really like it. Um, we have our concession building with vendors there. And uh, we also have our uh, home craft where you can get some great food.
0: Yeah, no doubt about that. Uh, that and cars smashing into each other. Certainly the two highlights for me. Uh, talk about parking, uh, shuttle services. What's being offered this year?
5: We have great parking facilities and we have people mover wagons to pick people up and move them right into the fairgrounds. Um, we have our online ticket sales that make it easy for everyone. So there's no big lineups at the gate to get in, purchase your tickets online, it's easy to do. And uh, just just go onto the Ancaster Fair website and it's uh, pretty simple.
0: Ancasterfair.ca is the place to go. Paul, really appreciate your time today. Thanks for joining us. Looking forward to this year's Ancaster Fair uh, coming up next weekend.
5: Okay, thank you.
0: That's Paul Gibbons. He's the first VP of the Ancaster Agricultural Society. And yeah, the Ancaster Fair back uh, for the first time in a, a few years, thanks to the pandemic. It will happen September 22nd to the 25th at the Ancaster Fairgrounds. Yeah, you mentioned, you know, Paul mentioned the food, The the demolition derby, that's always a highlight. Always a lot of fun. And uh, let, you know, fingers crossed the weather will be nice as well, because that always helps.
1: You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML.
0: Believe it or not, the National Hockey League season, it seemed like it just ended like a couple weeks ago, uh, begins three weeks from tomorrow. In fact, yesterday, some rookie camps opened, more opening today. Veterans will report to camp uh, starting next week. And depending on where you live, what sitter you're, you're, you're in, or what team you're for, the cost of going to an NHL game varies greatly, especially when you look at the top of the list and the bottom of the list compiled by timetoplay.com. Ben Trainer is a PR digital strategist at timetoplay.com and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Ben, welcome back to the show.
6: Hey, Rick. Good morning. Nice talking to you
0: hey before we get to the list that you've compiled what factors did you look at to determine all these prices
6: so we wanted to you know make sure a fan could have a full experience you can go to a game and sit in the cheapest seats, but maybe you're not going to enjoy the the whole thing so uh, we looked at the price of an average ticket now we we took out like the real premium tickets that include all the food and massages and foot rubs you know how those are these days um But just the average ticket for a regular fan a couple beers one hot dog and a parking pass
0: okay so let's maybe we'll start at the bottom of the list where is the cheapest place to enjoy an nhl hockey game this upcoming season
6: well you know the cheapest place to enjoy a hockey game is actually a place that it's pretty nice to visit during the cold hockey season um, and that's phoenix uh, with the arizona coyotes um Canadian, they only come in about 115 bucks for the full experience. That's for a ticket, two beers, a hot dog, and parking. Uh, it's a pretty good value.
0: And and just above them is uh, close to Hamilton. The Buffalo Sabres are second last or the second cheapest tied with Columbus.
6: Yeah, Buffalo's just a few bucks more. Um, you know, you just have to crop across the border there. You save a lot versus seeing the Leafs, I guess. Um, but then you're in Buffalo, so you got that to deal with. <laughs>
0: Well, speaking of the Leafs, they are at the opposite end of the spectrum. Tell us about the the top three on this list.
6: Yeah, so at the very top, I don't think you're going to be surprised here. So uh, the very top is, is of course, the New York Rangers. Everything in New York is is expensive, costs an arm and a leg. Um, I think when we looked it up, the parking was going to run you about seventy bucks. Um, so it's just it's just crazy. Um, and then uh, moving up to Canada, of course, the Leafs are are just behind the Rangers, only seven dollars less for that full game experience. And then this is one of the hotter tickets in the whole league, the Vegas Golden Knights. You know, so many people. Going to Las Vegas for a, a warm vacation in the winter. They want to catch a hockey game. Um, the team's historically been pretty good, so of course it's pricey.
0: And interesting of note, number four on the list is the Seattle
6: Kraken. Yeah, exactly. My my thought there is, you know, fans are excited to have a team finally, um, and they're just they're just filling the place up. And you know, Seattle's uh, not a cheap place to live either.
0: Yeah, and obviously having a new team, uh, you know, the ownership is probably thinking, hey, we're going to have a lot of fans in the stands. Let's uh, not necessarily gouge them, but jack up the price. And from what I understand, just looking at the, the graphic at time play.com is that Seattle actually has the highest ticket price of them all.
6: Yeah, yeah, that was interesting. Um, you know, some of the, the periphery things are not quite as much in Seattle, but the ticket prices, I wonder if they're, you know, I actually haven't heard if they're building a new arena or not, but I think they're using the the old, I think now it's the Climate Pledge Arena, so I'm not sure if yes. they're going to be putting up a new one.
0: Yeah, the old uh, key arena now has been uh, refurbished. I think they're, they're going to go with that one uh, from here on in. Uh, beer, certainly not uh, cheap in many places, including at Leafs games, but the Rangers Ooh. top the list here as well
6: yeah i mean almost 20 bucks for a beer um that's just uh, i guess it's a good way to to make sure people aren't driving drunk so <laughs> uh one or two of those one or two of those and, and you you've pretty much uh blown the bank account probably
0: and when it came to hot dog you guys just focused on the cheapest hot dog available at each arena
6: yeah just the standard hot dog you know you get these gourmet dogs with with a hamburger on top of them or something like that but uh just your standard hot dog but still it, it uh, in seattle that'll that'll cost you over 10 bucks and i can make a lot of hot dogs at home for 10 bucks
0: <laughs> absolutely ben thanks for the time today and breaking down these uh, stats great job on this report
6: always good to chat rick thanks
0: have a good one that's ben <laughs> trainer he's with TimeToPlay.com to com that has put together The most expensive arenas to watch an NHL game, this was based off the 2021-22 season, so last year. Coming up this year, you you know, teams, you know, add new things, new perks, uh, in some cases have new sales or discounts. Um, Those are certainly not, uh, uh, you know, the Rangers or the Maple Leafs or the Knights or places like Boston or Chicago or even Montreal, all towards the top of the list when it comes to the highest average price to go to a game. If you're going to a game, especially Leafs game, save up because you're going to need it.
1: Thanks for listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. You can listen to the show live weekday mornings from 530 to 9 on 900 CHML and online at 900CHML.com.
0: The Good Morning Hamilton podcast is available on Apple podcast, Google podcast, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. I'm Rick Samprin Thanks again for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. It's free, so you never miss an episode. And make sure you rate and review.